Hello and welcome to night number 23 of 31 Nights of Fright, year 4, the Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 23 brings us a somewhat obscure Stephen King story, and I guess the adaptation film here is somewhat obscure as well. It's not extremely popular, and the original source of the story was a story that was simply released to the internet as a internet novella. I think it's time we announce the movie. Starring Jonathan Jackson, David Arquette, and Barbara Hershey. This is the 2004 Mick Garris directed Riding the Bullet. Alright, so before I even get into talking about this one, I did want to go and introduce my lady, my partner in crime, my girlfriend, Nicole. Hello, everyone. Riding the Bullet at its heart is a story that is mostly about the character of Alan Parker and his struggles in dealing with life, struggles with death and grieving and such. And he has almost a self-revelation by the end of the film. So it's a little different from other Stephen King's stories. Now, Nicole, I know that you liked this one when we finished watching it. You said that it was really good. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this episode. Because while I liked it, I think you may have liked it a little bit more. So what are some of the things that you really liked about this movie? The main thing that I really enjoyed about this movie is the plot and the actual story of it. We see a teenager that is seemingly immune to all of his emotions. He's actually known as the being the Prince of Darkness because he doesn't show his emotions and he um, is a person that keeps gravitating towards the dead. And as he goes through the movie, he actually deals with his father dying and now his mom being in the hospital and understanding his actual emotions and also understanding that he is not above essentially possibility of dying. And that's one of the big things that I got with it too is the fact that he didn't seem to know how to deal with anything in life. I'm not even sure that when he goes through his little self-realization that he actually truly went on that journey with George. I think it was all kind of in his head. Maybe he was actually seeing a ghost along the road, but I'm not sure that it was entirely true because he saw the gravestone beforehand. I don't think he did go through that journey. I think when, or as he was walking and picking up rides, he understood that his mom was not going to live forever and neither was he and i think that was a testament to all of us as teenagers we think that we are invincible and nothing will happen to us and when his mom gets into the hospital he all these memories flood back and he reminds himself that his father passed away and that his mom might pass away and that he might even pass away And I think that's one of the things that's driven home kind of early in the movie, especially with his girlfriend and everything. Like, he thinks that he has everything together. His life kind of spirals out of control. He contemplates suicide. He even thinks about his own death and if anybody would care to even be at his funeral. It's probably one of the things that a lot of us think about. I mean, however dark those thoughts may be, I think it's something that's completely natural as far as being a human. 
So as far as the direction, how did you feel about that? Because it's a very different, you've seen a, like quite a few different Mick Garris films over the course of this. You saw like The Stand, you saw Sleepwalkers. This is a very different movie. I think it may have been a project that he wanted to do based off of I see like on his Instagram that he, you know, posts about his mom's birthday and stuff and how he misses her. And I heard the story is a little bit of a almost autobiographical, uh, or at least inspired by some of Stephen King's actual thoughts. So how did you feel about the direction and the way Mick Garris was carrying the film? I actually really enjoyed the twists and turns of what the main character, Alan, went through. I enjoyed that he picked up different rides and all those different rides uh the people actually had stories and uh were going through different issues in life he was flooded back with memories and possible things that didn't even happen and i just really enjoyed the twists and turns and making the audience decide what truly happened to him that night and truly what he actually went through I think that's one of the things that Mick Garris really wanted to drive home with this is that Alan wasn't nearly as special or as unique as what he thought. The fact that everybody had their different things that they were going through. Everybody deals with everything differently overall. He wasn't all that special. The reason I was asking about the direction is because it's a different movie. For one, it deals with the heavy things, but it also has like almost a comedic edge to it. So it makes the movie not as depressing, not as heavy. It's a little bit quirky with the way he directed it. I don't know as far as like where George says about his decapitation and that he's dead. And it shows it almost as like a movie trailer and it feels like a grindhouse movie trailer. That's a very Stephen King-esque moment for me. This movie had a very Stephen King feel for better or worse. Mick Garris did almost a true interpretation of what a Stephen King short story or even a novel would read like. I completely agree. There's definitely some uneven tones to the movie, but in general, I loved it. The uneven tones actually went really well. Like you said, it gave some comedic relief, but also made the audience understand even more and try to figure out what he was actually going through that night. And that's what leads me to believe that some of the stuff throughout this movie is actually just all in Alan's head, which is fine. I know that he's dealing with some heavy things and doesn't know how to actually deal with his mom being in the hospital. And I can kind of relate to all of this, especially with what I went through with my own mom and then my dad as well. So I think it was carried across pretty well. I don't know if I like the uneven tone as far as the comedic stuff throughout but i guess sometimes dark moments are funny in their own way and maybe that's what mick garris was trying to convey here all right so nicole with you having an interest in psychology and also going back to school for that as far as alan and his inner voice how did you feel about those moments throughout the movie alan sees himself and also sees other images as far as him being dead the Grim Reaper chasing him, his mom being dead, and so forth. I do think that he, seeing himself is more of a possible superego or multiple personality disorders or DID, something along those lines. However, I think that more of him seeing himself is like a superego, him being more mature and 
actually making better decisions rather than what he felt would be the right decision at the moment. That's actually one of the things that I was thinking about throughout. I was thinking that his little internal monologue, his superego, as you called it, I was thinking that this is a good possibility of a way of him making better decisions because it almost is the voice of reason, even if it does go into some goofy things, such as when George says about his decapitation and his thoughts on it. So we're truly getting his thoughts on screen, and I think it's possibly something that makes the movie unique because the story itself, we've seen it probably in a whole bunch of other things, other stories, other movies. But that direction that Mick Garris decided that, yes, we're going to have Alan's thoughts be put on screen and hope that the viewer can go along with it. I think it was kind of a bold choice. And maybe that's why he had that comic relief inside of there, that it was actually his mind trying to portray those images in a comedic relief way, because we're people, we try to cope with things differently. And so maybe his mind was essentially trying to make light of the situation that was happening before his eyes. Yeah, and now that you say that, I was thinking that, yes, that's a good possibility that this is his coping mechanism for everything, mostly because he doesn't know how to deal with it. If we think about different comedians, like, you know, look at Robin Williams. He was a very funny guy, much loved by everybody, and he's probably one of the I guess, darkest, most depressed people around, especially with what he did to himself at the end. I know that he did have, what, onset of Parkinson's or something like that. That's why he committed suicide, but either way, it's a selfish act. And the suicide moment in this movie is handled pretty well, especially with the fact that his girlfriend, who doesn't necessarily want to be with him, but loves him a lot you know she doesn't want to see anything happen to him either that's possibly one of the main themes of this movie too is that we do make impacts on people's lives and we don't even know it i definitely agree with that because in the movie alan as he's walking or getting to the hospital he's going through his life and he's realizing that he made an impact on his mom and after his mom got out of the hospital we see him spending so much more time with his mom and actually being there for her instead of being more selfish and not thinking that he was insignificant. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I just thought of, the title, Riding the Bullet, that's obviously a suicide reference as far as you would shoot yourself with a gun, you're riding the bullet at that point. And yet here it takes on a different meaning and it is about a roller coaster and it shows the flashback footage of when he was a kid. And he was too scared to ride this roller coaster and his mom got upset with him and everything. And then later he revisits that amusement park. And again, I don't know if he actually revisits it or not. And he rides the roller coaster. And of course, death is right there with him. So it seems like the movie is incredibly multi-layered. I like the fact that it's not quite horror. I mean, it has horror elements, but instead it's a very, very much a drama it's very much a drama with horror elements that's the best way i can use to describe it may not be the best of movies to watch like during like halloween season or anything because it's not exactly a fun movie but the little things that happen in the movie makes it more of a fun movie than what you would think 
It's a movie that actually makes you think rather than sit down and watch something that's more horrific. Yeah, I would have to definitely agree with that. So, Nicole, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the movie? Am I missing anything? One thing I do want to mention is that I actually enjoyed how Alan and his um, girl actually did get together towards the end and did marry and have a semi-happy life. Although, at the end, we know that he got a divorce or they got a divorce, and then he says, nothing lasts forever. And again, that's a testament to... Um, our lives and and how we should take every moment and not take it for granted. Yeah, I think you're definitely right on that. I forgot about the ending. I did like the fact that he was more or less telling what happened to him after after that. Like, you know, his mom eventually did pass away a few years later. He got married. It didn't work out. They were only married for a short time. But it's something that was impactful for him. And I don't think he would have changed it either way, even if it didn't work out. He didn't give any reasons. He just said simply didn't work out, which is the case sometimes. It just, there doesn't have to be a definitive reason. There's a multiple amount of reasons of why things happen in life. All right. Well, I can't think of anything else on this. I think we covered everything pretty well today. I agree. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Well, of course, anytime. But it's time to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. And Nicole, uh, where can everybody find you? So you can find me on Instagram as well at Nicole Loman. And yeah, Nicole posts up some pretty cool things. Of course, she posts up sappy pictures of her and I, as well as our cats and travel photos as well. If you need to catch up on past episodes of either 31 Nights of Frights, you know, there's four years worth of content there. Or if you want to catch up on my regular weekly podcast, Adam Analyzes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to get in contact with me, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. Also, If you are enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or you could leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners and create new content. Plus, as you know by now, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I'll see you back here tomorrow for night number 24.